a thousand burning suns blazing in the heavens. There is only one. He is our God. Who commands the nations, building up and tearing down, silencing his rivals. There is only one. He is our God. He is our God. Holy, you alone are holy, matchless in your glory, holy God. Who would come to save us when we turned away in love, conquer us with there is only one. He is our God. He is our God. Holy, you alone are holy, matchless in your glory. No one is like you. to see you this morning, excited today to be able to baptize three of our young men. And this morning, we're going to do this just us, a little bit different uh, than you're used to seeing. This morning, I think you can see on the screens, or you will soon, you'll be able to see the baptismal tank so that those of you in the back corners uh, can enjoy this uh, as much as those that are up close and personal in the front. One of the things that we were talking about in the back hallway just a few minutes ago is that this is a very serious time. We say this, that we do this in obedience to the Lord's command. Uh, We want to take it very seriously. We We want to do it correctly. Baptism is for those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. This is a symbol of their faith. It's a symbol of their union, their position in Jesus And so this morning we're going to hear their testimonies, and then I'm going to baptize each of these young men. And I hope that uh, you enjoy not only hearing of their faith, but seeing it demonstrated this morning. So the first one today is Van Haddix. Van, I'm going to have you come down here with me if you would. Careful. All right, come right on over here. Van's kind of a little guy, so I'm going to pick him up for just a second so you can see him. All right, Van Haddix. And uh, we're going to hear we're going to hear Van's testimony, and then uh, we're going to watch him demonstrate his testimony in Jesus through baptism. 
Ben Haddix and I'm 10 years old. We were in the woods and found a log fort and we were playing around and for like an hour later I asked Vaughn that how to be saved and then he said confess your sins to Jesus and ask him to save you. So I went to a private spot to be alone. I confessed my, my sins to Jesus and asked him that I could be saved. And I got saved and I felt clean. I don't know if you caught it or not, but he was with his older brother and his older brother explained to him what it means to confess your sins and to put your faith in Jesus Christ. So that's Van's testimony. Van, step up here really quick. So every time I baptize someone, I ask them a couple of questions. And the first one is, do you know for sure that you're a Christian, that you're on your way to heaven, that Jesus has forgiven you? Yes. Yes. And secondly, do you understand that this water really symbolizes your union with Jesus, being in Christ, buried with him in death and then raised to walk in new life? And, and is it your desire to be baptized so that these people out there would see that you're in Jesus and a visual representation of your testimony? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, good. So step up here real quick, if you would. So, Van, based on your testimony of faith and in obedience to what Jesus has told us to do, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in new life. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is Vaughn Haddix, and I'd like you to hear his testimony. I was 10 years old and I was listening to a song called Jumpstart 3 and it was talking about how, how Jesus died for us and I asked my mom like how do you get saved because I wanted to be a part of that and she said that you have to like ask her and ask him about like like you have to tell him that you were wrong and you confess your sins to him and then he like saves you after you ask him and then like I was like thinking over it for a little bit and then that night the night when I was in bed um, I confessed that I was a sinner and I wanted to be saved. Amen. Vaughn, based on your testimony of faith in Jesus Christ and on his command to baptize you, I'm going to baptize you here in just a moment. Before I do that, thank you for sharing your testimony. Do you know 100% sure that you're a follower of Jesus and you're on your way to heaven? Yeah. And you understand that this water symbolizes your union with Christ being in Jesus? Yes. And thirdly, is it your desire to be baptized so that the entire church can see that you're in Jesus? Yes. All right. So I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go ahead. Okay. 
buried with him in baptism, and raised to walk a new life. And God's people said, Amen. This is Preston Tebow, another one of our young men. And let's hear his testimony together. Hi, my name is Preston Tebow. I am eight years old. Um, last year, I was with my mom on her bed, and I was talking to her that I wanted to be saved. So... And then, I think a couple Sundays later, we went to Pastor Brad, and we were talking about it with my sisters because they were going to be baptized. So then I wasn't ready yet. So then, I, so then about a year later, when I was doing my papers, my dad um, helped me to understand, and the one who saves us is Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for our sins. When I was on the bed with my mom, I was like, can we pray? And she was like, yes, we can pray. So then we prayed that you could come into my heart and save me. Amen. Preston, do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven, your faith is in Jesus, and your sins are forgiven? Yes. And is it your desire to be baptized so that these people would know that and see that? And you understand the symbolism here, that this water symbolizes your union with Christ, that you're in Jesus? Yes. Awesome. Based on your testimony and Jesus' command, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, and raised to walk in new life. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Before we continue with the service, I just want to highlight something about all of these testimonies. One of the things that we've encouraged parents to do is to be very careful to not encourage their kids to be baptized too soon or too young, but to think through their testimony together. And all three of these young men, it was such a blessing for Jeremy and I to sit down with them and hear them talk about how their parents had guided them and pushed back on them and asked them difficult questions and worked over this over a period of weeks and months and even years to come to the point where they understood the meaning of baptism and wanted to do it for themselves. And so I would just encourage our other young people and parents to follow that example. What a blessing to see these three follow the Lord in baptism today. Thank you for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. The E3 Sunday School series has almost completed its second segment. It began with starting points and is currently finishing up the exchange segment. The third segment is called Giving the Exchange and it begins on March 26th. Giving the Exchange is a course designed to help Christians move from casual friendships to redemptive relationships that include gospel conversations. Everyone is invited to this class, which meets on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for four weeks. Join us for this fun and informative class starting on Sunday, March 26th at 9.45 in room 403. A special member meeting has been scheduled for after the AM worship next Sunday, March 19th. Information is available at the table in the link. Community groups are going back to 6 p.m. starting tonight. 
If you are not yet connected with the Sunday PM community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet most Sunday nights at 6 p.m. All FBC attenders are encouraged to sign up for one-on-one discipleship. Books and information are available in the link. In just a few minutes, we'll be dismissing children four years through the third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more info about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center on your way out for a special gift after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. An awesome way to start a service. You're to sing out that He is our God and then see the amazing things that He's doing in the hearts of our young people here at First Baptist Church. Praise the Lord for that wonderful opportunity. Let's already start with a word of prayer, and then we'll continue to sing and worship Him through song. Lord, I thank you so much for this day and for the awesome opportunity to be able to worship you, to be able to attest of all the amazing things that you're doing in the hearts and lives of people around us and in our lives. The fact that you're always at work and that you are a great God. You are eternal, and you are marvelous and worthy of our worship. I pray, Lord, that as we continue to worship you through song today and we hear from your word later on in the service, that everything will glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing out, crown him with many crowns.
with him in song as we sing out a great hymn, How Great Thou Art. Let's sing this out together. sing a song. Before we sing the song, it's based off a specific psalm. And as we've been doing over the last few weeks, I want to emphasize that psalm and read you a portion of it this morning. Psalm 113, verses 3 through 5. It says, From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. 
and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 93 this morning. Psalm 93. I was sorry to only get the tail end of your singing this morning. Oh, it's beautiful, really lifting up praise to the Lord. 
What a blessing to be able to do that together as a church family every Sunday morning, just to lift him up. There is no one like him. You know that, right? There is no one like our God. And this morning, we want to focus again on that truth. I don't know whether you noticed it or not, but when you walked in the doors this morning, the exterior doors of the building, the glass doors, there was a a circle on the door, and inside that circle it says, lift up. The theme of our church this year in 2023 is to lift up God for one another, that we might see him more clearly, and then we might worship him more effectively. Jesus said the day is coming when those that worship will worship in spirit and in truth. And that's what we want to do today. We want to worship God correctly. We want to see him for who he really is. We've been in a series of messages we call albums of worship, looking at theology in the Psalms. And I've reminded you that theology is a study of God that answers two primary questions. Those questions are, who is God? And secondly, how should I respond to the person of God? When I know who God is, how, what responsibility do I have in my response of worship? We started at the very end of the book of Psalms, in Psalm 150, with a message talking about praise. That God is worthy of praise, and giving a definition of praise, and that being that His attributes should be applauded. That we should actually stop during the busyness of our lives for a little bit, at least on Sunday morning, and applaud the greatness of God. That's what Jeremy and Doug just did for us. They, they lifted up God for us that we may have, might applaud the fact there is no one like him. There was a phrase in that song that says, He is high above the nations. Nations and leaders think they're so powerful and God is so high above them. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But we've considered in the, in the past few weeks, we've applauded the fact that God is our advocate. He is our blesser. He is close. He is our counselor. He is creator, our deliverer, the great doer. And last week that he is the eternal God. This morning, we want to look at another characteristic of God in the Psalms, and that is that he is exalted. As that song just said it so perfectly captures the idea of exalted there's no one like him because he is high above everything else psalm number 93 is where we're at i love this psalm it's a little short psalm but it is really powerful and it carries the idea of the fact that god is exalted would you listen as i read psalm 93 the lord reigneth he is clothed with majesty The Lord is clothed with strength wherewith he has girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. But the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Let's pray together. Father, we want this morning to do what you want. We want to to magnify you. We want to think about our Savior in a, a new and 
fresh light today that would make our worship of him go deeper, that our thoughts of you would be higher than ever before, that our worship would be truer than ever before, and that we as a church would truly lift you up. We realize that we are but frail and fragile, finite creatures that only exist out of your love. But Lord, one of the things that you've called the church to do is to lift up our head, our preeminent Savior. And so this morning, we want everything to be about Jesus. We want to to glorify Him and we want to magnify Him. We want to please Him. We want to exemplify Him in our behavior. Lord, we want to think higher thoughts of Him today. We pray that you would help us do that. We're so prone to our own sense of busyness and our own selfishness and our own distractions in our mind. Would you calm us for a few minutes that we might focus, focus completely on you and glorify you better as a result? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just recently I was doing a little bit of work in the gymnasium and I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a lift, a one-man lift that takes you all the way to the top of the gymnasium. But it's fairly narrow, it is safe, but it's scary, okay? And I don't like heights, and so I cling to it as if that's going to do me any good if the thing goes over. But I shake the whole time I'm on it, and I was up there retrieving, one of you adults must have got a helium balloon for something and left it up on the ceiling in the gym, so I was retrieving it before the string got caught in the fans, which it sometimes does and burns the motors out. So I was up there retrieving a couple of helium balloons, one of the very dignified things that pastors do in the middle of the week, as you imagine them sitting there studying the word and, you know, I'm up there retrieving balloons and I'm at the top of the gymnasium. I'm looking down and I'm thinking, you know, well, this is a unique perspective. You can see all kinds of stuff up there, right? You can see a thick layer of dust on top of the vents. You can see some toys that have gotten lost. There's some, actually, there's some toys on the back of the basketball hoops. I don't know how they stay up there, but they stay up there even though the hoops get moved. There's some balls that are wedged way up in the ceiling where I don't know how they got there and you can't see them from the floor. It's just a very unique perspective. Now the Psalms, each of them give us a perspective of God, a a little bit of a, a different facet to focus on. And if you were paying attention this morning as I was reading Psalm 93, at least in the translation I was reading, the word exalted is not there not there it's in a lot of other psalms but it's not in this one but this psalm all five verses capture the idea of exaltation it captures the idea that the guys were singing just a moment ago that god is high and lifted up so this morning all of the characteristics we're going to look at in psalm 93 they all show us a perspective of god that is not like me, up looking down, but it is down looking up. Every one of these characteristics is, wow, God is higher in this area than I can conceive. God is higher in this area. He's higher in this area. This is exaltation, that God is lifted up. The definition of exalted means to be lifted up or to be extolled or to be lofty or higher Now, I just want to show you real quickly, and I need you to 
stay with me because this is a bit of a lengthy introduction, but I really want you to get this. When we walk out today, I want you to go, I know what exalted means, and I know God is exalted, and I'm determined to exalt him, right? That's the goal. Like, I want to be part of that. I want to exalt the Lord. Well, here's the definition of exaltation. You get it from the Psalms, really. In Psalm 57, verse 5, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above the earth. You see that word that occurs twice there? Above. Exaltation means above. Psalm 108, verse 5, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above the earth. This is Isaiah 33, 5, the Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. Isaiah 33 and verse number 10, now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. So the theme, as I mentioned, of our church this year is to lift up. And you might, if you're thinking, you might have a question, and that is this, like, why do I have to lift him up? Isn't he exalted anyway? Right? I mean... With or without me, God is exalted. But I want to just show you that there's a, there's a noble and high goal in Scripture to not just acknowledge the fact that God is exalted, but to participate in exalting Him. This we see all throughout Scripture. As God is elevated, we're to participate in this elevation as well. In Exodus chapter 14... There's this cool recap of how God destroys the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. Do you remember that story? And at the end of chapter 14, it says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord. And his servant Moses then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying... I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare him in habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Moses said, listen, people, this is personal. God is exalted, but because of what he has done, you personally should get involved in exalting him. God. Again, in First Chronicles chapter 29, David blesses the Lord before the whole congregation and says this, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and we praise your glorious name. David is saying what? Lord, we know who you are. We see it. We see glimpses of your exaltation. But we want to be involved. We want to lift you up. We want to say it out loud for one another. By the way, that's what we do this morning. We sang this morning, I heard you singing, O Lord our God, when I in awesome wonder, right? We, you know that song. You've sung that song before. Why would we repeat it together? Because he's great enough that we can sing it every day, right? He is that great. So we say, Lord, you're great, but we want to say you're great. Husbands, it's sort of like 
loving your wife, she expects you to do what? Say it, right? Love isn't enough. You've got to express it. Knowing God is exalted is not enough. We are to be involved in the exaltation. This is a major and repetitive theme in the Psalms. Psalm number 18, the Lord lives and blessed be my rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Psalm 34 verse 3, O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Psalm 99 verse 5, exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool for he is holy. Psalm 107 verse 31, O that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Psalm 118 verse 28, Thou art my God and I will praise thee. Thou art my God and I will exalt thee. We see it in Exodus. We see it in Deuteronomy. We see it in the Psalms. We see it in the prophets. Isaiah 25 verse 1, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name for thou hast done wonderful things. Now I just want you to think for just a second. This is one of our applications today, but just a an early application in your mind as we work through this passage this morning. Do you exalt God? Think about it for just a second. Do you exalt Him? Like to others? Unfortunately, sometimes we, we begin to think of our Christianity as just being cleaned up people. I just do good things and I try not to do bad things. And we forget that there's a responsibility for a believer to exalt God, our Savior. To actually get involved in public worship of who God is. This is really important because when we forget who God is, we don't see ourselves nearly as clearly as we should. Remember Isaiah in chapter 6, in the very beginning of chapter 6, Isaiah says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. What does that next phrase say? High and lifted up. So so Isaiah says, I saw God exalted. That's what exalted means, high and lifted up. I saw God exalted. And notice what he does in verse 5. Then he says, woe is me, for I am undone. Like, Once I got a glimpse of who God is, then I realized what a mess I am. You know, pride is a problem for us. Are you with me? I think if we just exalted God a little bit more, we'd realize that we don't have anything to be proud of. It humbles us once we realize who God is. He's exalted. One more thing about exaltation before we get into the passage And that is this, that that exaltation is not just an Old Testament or a Jewish view of God. But when you hear the words lifted up, you should think of Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus was lifted up. Both physically and metaphorically, Jesus is lifted up. Here's what he said in John 3. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Right? I'm going to be lifted up in John chapter 12. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He was physically lifted up. And then, as a result, he was positionally lifted up. So, 
not only is God exalted, but Jesus is exalted. Now, here's what I want you to see. Some of the characteristics that we look at today in Psalm 93, we've either already spent time on or we're going to come back and we're going to spend an extended message on. I don't want to be redundant on those things, although we could spend all the time we want on any of these characteristics of God. But I want, what I want you to do is I want you to see them all together as linked. And they're linked in that they're all pointing up. Every one of these characteristics is pointing up. He's higher than everything else in all of these characteristics. His kingdom, his lordship, his majesty, his power. He is high above the nations. So let's look at it. Our God is exalted. Number one, he reigns over the rest. He reigns over the rest. And you say, okay, Brad, that sounds great. Who's the rest? Well, it's everything, right? So let's just name a few. We could say false gods. We could say humans, human ideas, philosophies, science, politics, generations, Powerful people, wealthy people, poor people, it doesn't matter. He reigns above the rest. To borrow a couple of phrases from Scripture, things that are in heaven, things that are in earth, visible, invisible things, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things. He reigns over all things. He says, the Lord reigneth. And implied in that is that he is the ruler of all, of all. This is a Hebrew word, malak, and this Hebrew word simply means ascended to the throne as king, as ruler. God is ruler of everything. Now in your study guide, the cross-reference this evening is Psalm 97. Let me just read you a couple verses from Psalm 97, verse number 1. The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitudes of isles rejoice. Be glad thereof. Verse number 9 at the end. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. God is the top. He is preeminent. And he has made Jesus preeminent. I want you to see that. So God, as the preeminent one, has made Jesus preeminent. Peter, when preaching in Acts chapter 5, said this, that Jesus hath God exalted with his right hand to be prince and savior. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our savior reigns over the rest. Okay, so I want you just to see, that's the first one. There's five. The first thing that he is high above in, and that is his kingship. Number two, he is elevated above the rest. Elevated. Notice the next phrase. He is clothed with majesty. This word majesty is the Hebrew word gayuth. It's an interesting word because when you think of majesty, you might think of like jewels and robes and a palace and and whatever. But majesty actually has a very specific word picture in mind. Majesty has the idea of a column of smoke. That is ascending all of the time. How high does it go? No one really knows, right? It just continues to go up higher and higher and higher. Unlike if you're sitting around our campfire in the back of our yard, the smoke always blows at me. You with me? It's like right at me. 
the whole time. This idea is that the smoke is ascending like on a still day. It is headed straight up. That's the idea of majesty. So look at it again. It says that he is clothed with ascending is the idea. Like when you look at God, what you think is he's higher than I can conceive. He's constantly ascending. When I think of ascending, when I think of rising up, I think of Jesus. Are you with me? I mean, he was raised from the dead and also raised to glory, Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Remember, that's described by Paul in Philippians chapter 2. This condescension of Jesus from God all the way down to a servant who would die on a cross. This Jesus suffered death. But he was crowned with glory and honor. He was ascended. He was elevated. Ephesians 4 verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Here's what I want you to see. That all of these characteristics are about God being above. And all of these characteristics are shared in common with Jesus. That not only is God exalted, but Jesus is exalted. And remember the commitment of the psalmist. They're exalted. God is exalted, but I want to exalt him. I want to lift him up. I want to be involved in that. So number three, his strength exceeds the rest. His strength exceeds the rest. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he has girded himself. This Hebrew word oz has a very simple definition. It's just power. And the psalmist here says that he's clothed with it. It's all over him. You can't miss it. Mari and I like to walk on the airline trail. And last summer we're out there walking along. And I'm, we're keeping up a pretty good clip. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You know what I'm saying? For a couple people in their 50s, we're doing all right. We're walking along, no obvious limps, you know. And then, coming the other way is this superhuman. And he's got his shirt off, you know. And he's running, and I'm like, Mari, Mari, don't, no, Mari, don't look. Right? And he goes past, and I go, show off! Right? (laughs) Made me kind of mad. (laughs) There was power all over the dude. Like, you could not miss it. Like, if you just lined him up next to the rest of us and you said who's got power he'd say that dude (laughs) he's got power it just clothed all over him this is what the psalmist is saying when you look at god you see power and strength it just emanates from him you can't miss it it's as clear as day psalm 21 and verse 13 be thou exalted lord in thine own strength You don't need us. This is what the psalmist is saying. You don't need us to lift you up. How silly is that? Look at your power. Right? That would be as silly as me going to the gym with a bodybuilder and saying, hey, you want me to spot for you? Right? Like he's like, who are you? I I don't need Barney Fife spotting for me, okay? (laughs) That's a silly illustration, but that's what it's like when a human says, okay, God, let me lift you up. Right? He doesn't need me to lift him up. However, notice what the psalmist says. 
you're exalted in your own strength, so will we sing and praise your power. Remember what praise is. Praise isn't saying, hey, Lord, let me, let me strengthen you a little bit. Praise is going, wow, look at your power. Look at that. Look at God's power. Look at his strength. He's so mighty. I'm going to get involved in the applauding of your power is what the psalmist is saying. Ephesians 3.20, Paul, as he occasionally does when he's writing his letters, he just goes and slips into worship and he can't help it. It's like he can't help himself. Ephesians 3, verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works into us. Unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. Do you see the two things in this verse? They're both there. One is, he has unbelievable power. The second one is that the church, the true church, recognizes the power. And gives him glory for it. Do you see that? Unto him be glory in the church. In other words, I think you could infer from this that it would be wrong to recognize that God has power, but not to recognize it in here. Like this church, the body, when it gets together, should say, how great thou art, Lord. How great thou art. This is our God. This is our Savior. Luke 22, verse 69, Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Think about that. God the Father has given Jesus Christ the scepter of power. You can do whatever you want. 1 Peter 3, 22, Jesus has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. His reign is over the rest. He's elevated above the rest. His strength is greater than the rest. Fourthly, his throne outlasts the rest. His throne outlasts the rest. His throne is eternally established. By the way, as you work through this together, and understand as we're working through Psalms, it's a little bit different than a New Testament passage where we're pulling out doctrine word by word by word. In the Psalms, we're considering poetry, really, a song about God. And so you might say, well, I don't see where it says that your throne is longer lasting than every other throne. I don't see that in this verse, even though it says it's everlasting. But can I just tell you that the idea is all throughout Scripture. It's all throughout Scripture. And I want to show you a verse that is super powerful on this subject. We actually looked at this idea last week as we were talking about the fact that our God is eternal. The the, the Hebrew word here means to be set up permanently in contrast to all that is temporary. Can I just give you a brief review from last week? We talked about the fact that God, because he's eternal, he's eternally praiseworthy, and he's eternally fearsome, and he's eternally dependable. And I could, we can just add one on. We can tack one on right now that he sits on an eternal throne. He's not on the throne for four years like some of our rulers. He's not on the throne for 40 years. He's on the throne forever, forever. Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. I think we could read this every Sunday morning and it wouldn't be redundant. Listen to what John says. And I beheld and and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Right? So it was like this innumerable multitude. Can you imagine that? (laughs) This morning... 
when I came in a little bit late after baptism, I heard you guys singing. I'm like, wow, there's got to be a couple hundred people in here. Can you imagine a thousand? Can you imagine ten thousand? How about ten thousand ten thousands? Can you imagine this multitude around the throne? And notice what they're saying. They're not just sort of saying it. They're saying it with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I don't know if there's any other words. He pretty much got them all. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power. Why? Unto him that sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. How long? Forever and ever. And (laughs) it's kind of funny. There's, There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people saying this. And the four beasts say, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fall down and they worship him that lives forever and ever. Do you see that? His throne, he's sitting on the throne forever and ever. His throne outlasts the rest. And by the way, there's some serious implications for us. We'll get to in just a second because of that. Fifthly, his lordship excels the rest. His lordship excels the rest look at verse 4 the lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters it's actually interesting he describes in verse number three he describes these how high the waters have lifted up their voice right and then in verse number four he's like yeah the lord is mightier than that like think of the most powerful thing you can think of the lord is way above that he is on high actually the hebrew word adir actually means he's famous his lordship is famous. Like everybody knows Jesus is in charge. And if they don't know it, they're going to know it. Right? Everybody knows this. Philippians chapter 2, again, one of my favorite passages. Wherefore, God has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name which is above every name. Hmm, I wonder what name that is. We're going to find out here in just a second. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess Jesus' name. That he is who? He's Lord. To the glory of the Father. He is high. He is mighty. He is exalted as Lord. You know what Lord means, right? He's in charge. Jesus is in charge. He's Lord. I heard somebody this last week use Jesus' name in vain. Wouldn't that bother you? It wasn't really a place where I could correct them. So I just worshipped a little bit, right? They said Jesus' name in vain. I said, hey, that's my Lord. (laughs) Jesus, I know that he wasn't using that correctly, but you and I know, right? Someday every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But that name represents lordship. You're master. You're in charge. Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Therefore, again, this is Peter preaching, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. 
For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. He is in charge. His lordship exceeds the rest. So our God reigns over the rest. He's elevated above the rest. His strength exceeds the rest. His throne outlasts the rest. His lordship excels the rest. So when you get a perspective of God being higher than ever before, I think there's some things as you look up and you see who God is, there's some things that we should respond with. There's some very specific things we should respond with. Number one, he reigns over all, but he, is he king of your life? Just think about that for a second. Is he king of your life? I don't know how picky you are with what you let your kids watch. One of the things my kids were reminding us of a couple of weeks ago when we saw them, they said, hey, Dad, remember when we were kids and you wouldn't let us watch one song in The Lion King? And I said, yeah, I do remember. And then they started singing it. <laughs> Like, where'd you learn that? <laughs> we were over at the Huttons. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> no, it was, I just can't wait to be king, right? And we'd always fast forward it. And I'd tell the kids, you're never going to be king, okay? Just so you know, you're never going to be king. The point of that song and that story is that the boy wants to be in charge and his dad's in charge, right? But this is really a human desire that no one would tell me what to do. That I want to be king. I don't want any authorities over me. But can I just tell you that when you serve the king of kings, you should submit yourself to his kingship. You should submit yourself to his authority. His kingdom not only affects our worship, but it affects the way that we serve. You see what I'm saying? Like you could come in this room and say, Jesus is king. I'm so grateful for the king of kings. And then you walk out there and you go, how come no deacon scooped the sidewalk? And you forget, you too serve the king. Not just deacons. They don't, they're not the only ones who serve the king. And it's not just the pastor who serves the king. You serve the king. That's Jesus' sidewalk, right? So there's things in our worship as well as our work that we would do well to remember that we have an authority that we answer to. I teach Sunday school for the king. I teach my kids the gospel that they might follow Jesus for themselves for the king. It's not just for them, it's for the king. It's that he might get more glory. I deacon for the king. I play the piano for the king. I sing for the king. I preach for the king. We do it all for Jesus. He's the one who's in charge. He reigns not just over the church, but he should reign in my life. Secondly, he's majestic. And remember, majestic, that's the column of smoke that is rising up. He's majestic, but do you see him as a big deal above everything? 
Have you ever been tempted to elevate yourself over Jesus? You say, no, come on. You'd have to be crazy. Well, sometimes we put our agenda before his agenda, don't we? Our ideas before his ideas, our plans before his plans, our desires before his desires, our priorities before his priorities. That's elevating ourselves over his majesty. Matthew 23, verse 13 says this, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. But whosoever will humble himself shall be exalted. But the attitude of God's people should be this. If the king says anything, those are my marching orders. I don't think of anything else. I just do that. Because he's not just the king, he's the king of kings. That's my Jesus. He's majestic. He's king. Thirdly, he's strong. But do you lean on him in trouble? There's a lot of other things you can lean into, right? I won't even list them, but there's, just think about it. When crisis happens for you, where do you go? Jesus is strong. God is strong. Do you lean on him? Do you run to the rock that is higher than you are? Fourthly, he's Lord, but do you let him make the decisions in your life? I mean, it's one thing to say you're Lord. It's another thing to do what the Lord says, right? Remember, Jesus actually said this. He said there's going to be, it's kind of like this, and in the end times there will be this line of people, right? Be, I'll be standing there and be separating them. You're going there, you're going there, you're going there, you're going there. And he said there's some people that are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we've done so many things in your name. And I'm going to say to them, I don't even know you. Who, who are you? <laughs> you're going over here, right? And the reason is, he clarifies this and he says this. Why do you call me Lord if you don't do the things that I say? Like, don't be a hypocrite. If you're not going to obey what I say, don't call me Lord. So you might just ask the question, okay, so if I really want him to be Lord, where should I start? I'd start with Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. You'll get about three verses in and you'll think, uh-oh, I'm not sure I'm treating him as Lord. Because his standard for me and my love and my commitment to the kingdom is really high. Is he Lord of your life? Do you consult him in everything? When he disagrees with you, do you submit or argue? And then fifthly, how do you exalt him? This is on our community group list for tonight. So just a heads up for those of you that are coming to community group. It's at 6 o'clock tonight. An extra hour for nap time. Kudos for being to church on time today, but you're probably a little tired. So you get an hour for a nap. Community group at 6. And you come with this question answered on your community group study guide. How am I going to exalt Jesus this week? Like actually, tangibly, verbally, publicly elevate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What can you do to intentionally and externally exalt Jesus this week, not just to yourself? And then I want to close today with just one other thought about exaltation. This one, you've got to kind of strap your thinking cap on for just a second, but this morning we had illustrated for us something that's really special. And you might miss the specialness for all of the 
you know, the challenge that having four people in a tub brings on a Sunday morning, right? You might miss the, what's going on? What's going on is young men saying, I am in Jesus. This is a really powerful thing that happens in the New Testament. Paul spends a lot of verses explaining what it means to be in Jesus. The boys this morning helped us illustrate that because what baptism does is it illustrates that I'm buried in death with Jesus. So my old nature died in Jesus. It died. Paul says this, reckon yourselves therefore to be dead unto sin. But don't stop there. Be alive unto Christ. Right? So I'm buried with him in baptism and I'm raised to walk in new life. This is what the picture of baptism illustrates for us. Do you, do you hear that word? Raised to walk? There's some exaltation to being in Christ. And you might say, well, boy, that seems arrogant. I don't want to be exalted. Well, if you're in Jesus, too bad. Because you are exalted. You're in Him and you're exalted with Him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, And we're raised up with Him and He seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Like if you're in Jesus, you're actually elevated to a whole new position. Scripture calls it the joint heir with Christ. You're a son of God. Woo! That, I think, is worth celebrating. In fact, James, in chapter 1 and verse 9, kind of making a general statement, not specifically on this idea, but in a general statement, he says this, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. So in other words, if somebody rescues you and lifts you up out of your pain, if somebody rescues you and lifts you up out of your sin, lifts you up out of your problems, if somebody does that, you better rejoice. Wow! I'm so grateful that someone rescued me. And this morning, as we watched the boys, this is exactly what was illustrated. Hey, you were dead. Boom. And somebody rescued you. And that was Jesus. When you're in Jesus, there is exaltation in him. There is a lifting up. There is a raising of your spirit for new life. Rejoice in being exalted in Jesus. Lord, thank you for your exaltation. Thank you for your incredible character. We can't run out of good things to say about who you are and what you are to us. Lord, we realize that on a weekly basis, we do not do your character justice. We understand that. But Lord, we want to try. In our finiteness, in our inability to communicate in our distractedness, in our inability to think deeply. Lord, we realize we struggle with applauding your greatness. But this morning I ask that you would help us to at least scratch the surface, to at least turn off our pride for a few minutes and exalt you instead of ourselves. And Lord, that you might convict us where we're wrong here, where we're shallow. That you'll help us to not just have a good feeling about God on Sunday morning, 
and live for ourselves for the next six days. Lord, that we'll, we'll think higher thoughts about you today and live on a higher plane for the next six days as we think about your exaltation. Lord, you are lifted up. But as a church, we want to commit as individuals and as a group, we too will lift you up. We want to exalt you in all that we do and all that we say. Help us as a church to do that. We pray in our exalted Savior's name. Amen. Stay with us as we conclude our service. For this month, we're going to sing the chorus of the song we heard earlier, Who is Like Our God. So we're going to sing this final chorus out together as we close today. watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And he loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. And the Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. An eternal life, the opportunity to live with God forever in heaven, in spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin, and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want His death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.